0: Welcome to the More Than Heroes podcast. I'm Orion Williams. I'm here with host Peter Willis. It is episode number 11. Oh, Peter's giving me the the two digits in the sky. Don't worry, they're, uh, they're index fingers. The double ones. <laughs> it is two ones back to back. One, the loneliest number, but not today. <laughs> There's two of them. They got a couple. Episode 11, uh... We are More Than Hearers podcast, and check it out. If you want to talk to us via electronic mail, you can do that at podcast at morethanhearers.com. You can hit us up on Facebook, Facebook slash More Than Hearers. Facebook.com slash More Than Hearers, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't just do the Facebook slash. I don't know what that would lead to.
1: Probably, (laughs) uh, depending on the browser of your choice, probably a Google search page or a Bing search page. Facebook slash. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> he said Facebook Slash yeah. S-L-A uh,
0: is Thank that, you for
1: uh, that Slash's Facebook page
0: <laughs> Facebook's, uh, Sorry uh, uh, Googling now uh, <laughs> We're on Twitter Peter is available uh, Hit him up at MTH underscore Peter And you can talk to me At Orion Plays Music uh, Peter, episode
1: 11 Chapter 11 in the book of Romans It's hard to believe we are 11 chapters into it. Uh, we're charging pretty hard uh, towards the end of Romans. It's it's a matter of time. Um, we got 11, which is episode 11, 12 will probably episode 12, and so on, except that 15 and 16, the chapters are probably crammed into episode 15. Uh, fret not. Um, you'll understand when we get there why that is. But it's been an amazing journey through this book um, where. Paul has been weaving this just beautiful, I think I referred to it in episode 10 as a tapestry, just this amazing um, journey through what is our belief. What do we believe from the foundation of the Old Testament all the way till um, the coming, the crucifixion, uh, death, burial, resurrection of Christ to now? What does it all mean? How does it all tie together together? And for the last couple of episodes, we've been in this section of Romans where Paul's pouring out his heart about the Jews or about Israel. Paul, as we know from historical places such as Acts, Paul's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He is a Jew. He knows the law. He knows the prophets. He's got it all down, and he has this miraculous conversion on the road to Damascus, and he comes to the knowledge of Christ. But by coming to the knowledge of Christ, he brings with him this magnitude of knowledge of the law and the prophets. And so when he sits down and writes the book of Romans, he pulls it all together and he makes it all make sense. And we've been doing that now for 11 chapters. And I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. If you've missed the previous ones, feel free to join us here. But it'll be so, um, I want to say so much more richer, but that sounds like terrible English. Um, So much more rich. I don't know. It would be more fulfilling for you if you got the previous 10 chapters in ahead of time. fulfilling her. Oh, that's even worse. Okay. I, 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 more there's fulfilling- other words we've shared which I wanted to look up and see if they were words, but fulfilling I am confident, <laughs> not a word. Uh, not, not gonna, you're going to challenge that in Scrabble? I know that we have a listener out there, I know this actually to be true, who has a degree in English. I'm pretty sure we're going to get an email about fulfilling her. Mm.
0: All right, or at yeah. least
1: a text or a tweet or something.
0: But All right. um, yeah, well, you you I bet you. You check the 2025 Webster's by
1: then. Fulfilling her will be. A and then thing. I'll and then I'll
0: reference that. See, that's a word now.
1: Is if, ain't in there yet? Uh, it better be. I, I was raised on ain't isn't a word. Everybody better ain't, know. ain't ain't a word.
0: Everybody better know ain't what ain't means. Because yeah. er, I mean, right? Everyone knows what it means. When it's a
1: contraction it. for is not.
0: Uh, for uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right But then,
1: did you I love these Did you know Probably not, go ahead I didn't know about Joel in the last episode Okay so. uh,
0: My daughter uh, For a short period of time Used amment Spell that uh, A-M-apostrophe Is that how contractions work? Nope A-M-N-apostrophe-T
1: For am not That's correct that is I a laughed. correct contraction.
0: I laughed. Oh, how cute. I looked it up. It is an archaic
1: contraction for am not. I, I, don't, I was going to say archaic or not. It's, it's the proper way to create a contraction. So she did that organically. I mean, how
0: neat is that? She, she went, oh, I know the rules, English. Oh, oh we abandoned that <laughs> one. Sorry,
1: English, uh, not your friend today. Uh, you're centuries behind, but welcome to the English language. Right. All right, well, that's cool. That being said, in the English language, in the NIV, we are in Romans chapter 11. That was a heck of a segue, by the way. You did it. That was well done. Thank you. I I, appreciate it. It would have been better had I not drawn acknowledgement to myself, but there it was anyway. Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11 starts out with, I ask then. Well, shoot. What is he asking about? Well, the end of Romans chapter 10, Paul pulls out these quotes from the Old Testament about God saying that he was going to set nations who are not even nations, meaning the people of Christ Christians, against Israel. Not against them, but that Israel would be jealous of them because God would reach out to them. God being the God of Israel and Israel being God's chosen people, God said all the way back in the Old Testament, I'm going to reach out to a people who aren't even a nation and draw them unto myself. And he end, Paul ends chapter 10 with... Uh, But concerning Israel, God says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. And we shared in the last episode, what a weird place to end the chapter, except that there were no chapters when Paul wrote this. So he just goes on and he says, I ask then, verse 1 of Romans 11, did God reject his people, meaning the Israelites? Well, by no means. And it's cool. I'm not going to do it because I don't want to scare you. If you're driving while you're listening to this or on a treadmill or something, I don't want to make you wreck yourself. And so, but when he says by no means in the text there, there's an exclamation point. He says, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, Paul says, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. He's got all the boxes checked. Verse two, God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what Scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel. Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I'm the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. It comes from 1 Kings chapter 19, by the way. And what was God's answer to him? God said, I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Also in 1 Kings chapter 19. So too, at the present time, meaning the time Paul's writing in, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were based on works, or if it were, grace would no longer be grace. So Paul says, um, you know, because the end of chapter 10, uh, God says, uh, Paul quotes God saying, All day long I've held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. And he goes, Does that mean that God rejected Israel? By bringing in the Gentiles. And he goes, no. He goes, God didn't reject people whom he foreknew. God wasn't rejecting anyone. God is now drawing all people to himself. It's not just whether you were born a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now God is interested in righteousness through Christ. God's always been interested in righteousness but because of our inability to obtain righteousness through the law, chapter 6, 7, 8. Our righteousness now, all the way back to chapter 6, comes through Christ. How? Through faith in Christ, all the way back to chapter 4. He's been building this, I told you. If you got all these chapters in, you'd see how cool all this comes together. But here we are with it. God didn't reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says about the passage in, in uh, about Elijah, Elijah's frustrated. He he's performed these great miracles and everything else, but everybody's trying to kill him. And he goes, "I'm the only one left in the whole wide world who believes in God." Boo hoo, poor me. Uh, I gotta tell you, man, as a Christian, there's a, there's days. Yeah, no, I, there's days. It I, seems I like that. increasingly more. As I, maybe it's because I'm getting older, or maybe it's because of the direction society's going. I don't know, but it feels like more and more society is set against the principles of God.
0: Do you think this is a little off maybe but do you think that is at all a godly I mean I, I
1: you know attitude oh no no it's prideful okay it's it's to go I'm the only one who follows god totally prideful like like beginning of pride what if I'm it's like sure. it's
0: just us and then there's only two of us
1: still know. prideful uh, maybe <laughs> it depends i don't know i uh, what if aliens came to? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, but um, theoretically, it is almost a prideful statement. So uh, Elijah's in this place and he's depressed and he's crying. Ah, I'm the only one left. And God goes, No, you're not. I've kept aside some people for myself, a remnant. And Paul's going to use this remnant term through uh, through some of these chapters. We're even going to cover some some stuff in towards the end of this chapter where this remnant concept will come up a little more and um, he goes but that remnant's been chosen by the grace of god now it's not just that remnant that's been chosen by grace paul's covered this in previous chapters we me you listener orion all of us saved by grace through faith not of works we're all saved by grace because if it wasn't by grace then it would have been by works and then grace has no place. If we were saved by works, that points to the law, and the law had to perish because of our inability to do it. You and I cannot do enough works to please God. Why? Because in the middle of that somewhere, we are going to do works that don't please God. It's our nature. We're sinful. I think even one
0: work that doesn't please God equals not please God.
1: Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, that's, works. yep, that's math. No. I like it. It checks out. I got scratch paper sitting here and I agree. So, verse seven. What then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly, they did not obtain. The elect among them, but wait a minute. The elect among them did. I missed a word. I was reading too fast. What then? I'm going to go back to the beginning of verse seven. What the people of Israel sought so earnestly, they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but the others were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see, and ears that could not hear, to this very day. It's Deuteronomy and Isaiah both, by the way. And David says, May their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block, and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see, and their backs be bent forever. Psalm 69. I think I've said it in this podcast before, but if I haven't, I know I've said it other places. One of the things about going through the Bible verse by verse is part of it makes studying and teaching the Bible easy. We finished chapter 11 at the end of this episode. I already know what we're going to cover in chapter 12. I don't have to go home and go, ah, oh, what kind of thing are we going to cover in chapter 12? Or in, in episode 12, I'm sorry. It's going to be chapter 12. It's what comes next. It's the, the easy thing about teaching the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. It but. just makes... There's a butt coming, right? Yeah. But here's what happens when you do this. You bump into verses that if we were doing a topical study, I would just go, let's end it here. And not add these verses in because they're hard. These verses are hard. Because back a few chapters ago, in chapter 8, we talked about those God foreknew. He knew ahead of time would come to the knowledge of Christ. He predestined to be conformed in the likeness of his son and we went oh that's easy it's not talking about who is predestined to know jesus it's those god knew would know jesus he then there made their destiny to be conformed to be like jesus right. that's easy but here he uses the word elect and i would love to just gloss over it and pretend it's not there but somebody's going to send me an email and go "Ah, oh, you guys avoided it what then? What the, verse 7. What the people of Israel sought so earnestly they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but the others were hardened. Why? This is where I wish Paul would have put the verse that was back in chapter 8. Don't question God on things you can't understand. <laughs> because I would love it if it was here. I would go, oh, okay, good. All right. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, let's go to verse uh, 11. Verse 11. The fact is, is the answer is not in here. Why does it say that God chose some and rejected others? Why did God harden the heart of Pharaoh? Because that's what it says in the Old Testament. Pharaoh's got all of Israel gathered together. And God says to Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And so Moses is like, "Ah, I can't talk good. He goes, well, take your brother. His rod's going to become a snake. It'll all work out, I promise. And so Moses goes and Aaron throws the rod down and becomes a snake. And it says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. God made it harder for Moses and Aaron to do what they wanted to do. God could have softened Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh could have gone, eh, Sure, take him. Have a nice... Would you like us to build a bridge to cross the Red Sea? Oh, no, 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 thank you. I have this staff. It'll work fine. But God actually hardened Pharaoh's heart. Why does God do that to some people?
0: But to that... Did God make Pharaoh's heart harder, or did He just freeze it where it was in that state? It's fair. I I, mean, I he, don't know. Pharaoh was. How many times did Pharaoh reject letting the people go up to that point? Much many. Okay, a couple. So, uh, I mean, maybe he was just like, no, that's my obstinate and disobedient way. God of Moses. And God went okay. Then have some frogs. That's what you. That's what you wanted. Yeah, I mean.
1: Yeah, and that's you're right. That's easier than this. I think. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I was hoping you were getting somewhere that was going to no, make this sorry, easier. No, no back. No oh, thanks. No escape plan. Jerk. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Orion's not a jerk. I it it a even jerk. goes so far as to quote this this passage, uh, these passages from like Deuteronomy and Isaiah and Psalms of God gave them a spirit of stupor eyes that could not see, and ears that could not hear to this very day. You know what? It, it doesn't sound fair to me. And I'm going to tell you, I can dismiss this pretty easily, in that you know what else isn't fair? Dark grace. I deserve hell, <laughs> and I'm not going to get it. That's not fair. I'll take that unfairness. Ah, yes. Ah, <laughs> More, please. God is a God of unfairness. How can you say that, Peter? The Bible says God is a just God. He absolutely is. His justice demands that my sins deserve death. Mm -hmm. That's where grace comes in. That's why it's grace, darn it. (laughs) Unmerited favor. It is favor you did not earn to the point of you actually earned the opposite of favor. Why does God harden some hearts and not others? I don't know. If you're listening right now and you go, is my heart hardened? Uh, The fact that you asked probably means no. Um, Did God elect some? Some places in the Bible read that. You go, what if I'm not elect? Well, if you listen to episode 10, you'd already know the answer. Is Jesus Lord of your life? If the answer is yes. And do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Yes, you will be saved. There's no insecurity whatsoever for you where you have to worry of, what if God didn't choose me? Did you choose God? Is, the, is following God as Christ as Lord of your life the choice you've made? If the answer is yes, you have nothing to worry about. Nice. There is no fear in that. Can we move on? Uh, please. Oh, good. Yeah, good. Chapter 11. Again, I ask. Verse 11. Sorry. You're right.
0: You're right, and I shouldn't have even stopped you.
1: No, it's okay, it's good, (laughs) because it needs to be delineated. We are in chapter 11, as I said, but we are also now in verse 11. Again, I ask, did they, meaning Israel, stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Ooh, good question. Not at all. Those aren't my words. It's actually in your Bible. uh, With an exclamation point. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. This is so cool because on the surface we want to look at it and go, yeah, we get to make them envious. But envy in this case actually, as Paul refers to it, is a motivational tool for Israel. Israel goes, wait a minute. Those people got God? Not fair. God's my God. And God goes, really? Come on then. If I'm your God, come on. It's actually a motivational tool. It's not a negative thing. Because of their transgression, because of Israel's rebellion against God, salvation has come to the Gentiles, me and you if you're a Gentile, to make Israel envious, verse 12. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentile, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring paul goes man if their rebellion brought richness for the gentiles then if they then join in with those riches how much more richness do we get like riches much more riches much many riches (laughs) right yeah okay good Verse 13, I'm talking to you Gentiles in so much as I am, an, I am the apostle to the Gentiles, which is a whole other discussion for another day. I think it's just one of the most ridiculous things that God does. God takes somebody who is perfectly qualified to be a minister to the Jews and goes, Nope, no Jews for you. You go be the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter, who was a fisherman who cussed a lady out in the, in the Gospels, He goes, you'd be a great apostle to the Gentiles. Here, you stay in Jerusalem and preach in the temple. What? Man, God loves taking people out of their comfort zone. Anyway, um, yeah, let's not dwell on that for too long or God's going to do it to me too. Ready to go to Africa? (laughs) Nah, please don't make me play the song. I might have to link it on the Facebook page. Uh, there's a there was a great cheesy song I sent to Orion. I think it was late '70s, early '80s. I can't remember who sings it now, but it had to have been some '80s right there. It's yeah. called "Please Don't Send Me to Africa." Link it. Uh, I'll have to try and link it because as it's, it's, I love it personally. Anyway, I <laughs> go back to verse 13 because I lost my place. My fault. I'm talking to you Gentiles, in so much as I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as firstfruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches." talking about Israel or Judaism, the faith of the Jews being the root of what we believe. And we've been branched in because the foundation is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, all of that stuff, Elijah. The foundation of our faith is God and his people through the wilderness, the coming of the kings, the promise of a savior from the house of David. It's all there in Christ. And he goes... Um, if the the beginning of it, if the root of it is holy, how much more are the branches? Verse 17, if some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, he's talking to the Gentiles, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. This is so important if you're listening. There there was a period of time in Christian history where Christians or Christianity or the Christian faith as a greater whole was set against Jews. It was us versus them. They're bad, we're good, don't like them like us, they're awful people. We are anti-Jew as Christians, so we're not. I'm not saying we are. I'm just saying that was the historical the viewpoint. Historical viewpoint at a period of time. How could you take that viewpoint at any point in history based on these verses? No, it's it's a stark contrast. I mean, it's a, it's the opposite. Of, it's a yeah. flat-out rejection of the word of God. But ha- but
0: hasn't that? I don't want to say that's the historical <laughs> viewpoint of Christians, but. How many times throughout history have Christians with a, some sort of with some sort of platform come up and actually said uh, things that are totally unholy, ungodly, unbiblical, counter biblical and represented them as scripture or, or at least uh, purported them to be some shared viewpoint of God? And then you know, maybe even with a thin veiling of uh, scripture to to support their view, but but how many times have we seen that even just
1: in, in our lifetime? Uh, and and I imagine there's probably still people who claim Christian faith today who are anti-Jew. I'm sure it exists. I can't understand how you'd take that viewpoint, but I'm sure it exists. You wouldn't want to actually understand it. It would true. It would. You'd be
0: worse off if you actually
1: understood it. That's fair. So, verse nineteen. You will say then, branches were broken off, meaning portions of Israel were removed from God, Jews were removed from God, so that I, a Gentile, could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. There's two things here. They were broken off because of unbelief. They weren't broken off so that you could be grafted in. That's not it. They were broken off because of their own unbelief of what God had done through Christ as the Messiah, right? You're also grafted in all the way back to the end of chapter 3, beginning of chapter 4. Our righteousness comes by faith, or you could even reterm it, our righteousness comes by belief. If they were broken off because of unbelief, we run the risk of being broken off in the same way because of unbelief. You guys with me? Alright, for if God, verse 21, did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. A warning. What? What? No, yeah. I don't know. If I'm in, I'm in. Right, this seems to say that there should
0: be some care put into that lifestyle that you're owning there.
1: No, I prayed a prayer. Well, I'm in. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, oh, did I, I like to you? <laughs> you gave in way too quick for that. Um, this is real stuff. This is Bible. This is remembering that all scriptures inspired of God and written down by man, This is God going, Paul, don't you leave this out. This is so important for us to get that our salvation, our faith, requires a level of maintenance on our part. We have work to do. Not that our salvation comes by works. We're saved through faith. But on the other side of that, there's work to continue to do. It's not pray a prayer, get a get out a whole free card and live how you want for the rest of your life. Sorry. No, the, uh, the trembling part, I think, answers to that. And I, I don't want to tremble. <laughs> Too bad. Oh, man. So, verse... I'm actually going to go back to 22 and move forward. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God sternness to those who fell but kindness to you provided that you continue in his kindness otherwise you will be cut off and verse 23 if they do not persist in unbelief they will be grafted in i wish it said again in there but it doesn't yeah. for God, oh there it is for god is able to graft them in again that's right After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? There is still a place for all of those who will believe. Now, if you're following along with us in a paper Bible or a digital Bible or whatever else, And you're not just listening while you drive down the road or doing something. But you sat down with like a a little cup of tea on a saucer and maybe a scone or uh, coffee. I don't don't drink coffee personally. Don't send me hate mail. I'm allergic to this stuff. I'm not weird. I don't have anything against coffee. Send us scones. Ooh, please, send us scones. <laughs> oh, oh, I do. Can we ask for that? Oh, man. All of a sudden, I think I did. You know, last episode at the beginning, we talked about our purpose and why we're here. Scones. Uh, the scones, time. I think, might be the, the, the reason. Holy cow. It never even occurred to me. Anyway, um, if you're reading along and you're in the NIV, the NIV's got these little headings in it. And um, they're not in the original text. Paul didn't write them. But if you're in the NIV, there's a heading here above verse 25. And it says, all Israel will be saved. Oh, shoot. It's not what he's saying. But what's funny is we're going to get to a verse where he actually says that. But I want to make sure this is why I talk about Romans building on itself. Because if you go back a couple of chapters when Paul's talking about the history of Israel... He says, not everyone who descended from Abraham is God's chosen people. Not everyone who descended from Jacob is God's chosen people. And so that's important to remember in light of this passage. Let's go. Verse 25. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part, until the full number of Gentiles has come in. Thank God, because that's me. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. Oh, shoot, there it is. It's all of those, in this context, Israel refers to the people of God. Not the people of God ethnically, but the people of God by their pursuit of God. And by extension of the previous um, metaphor, the, tr- the tree. They're all yeah. the tree. The ones that are grafted back in all of will the be branches. saved. Yeah. Yeah. Not ones that are cut off. They're, they're going to die. But those who have chosen to seek after God will be grafted back in. Alright. So here we go. As it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. It's Isaiah, a little bit of everything. Isaiah 59, a little bit of Isaiah 27, a little bit of Jeremiah. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on the account of the patriarchs. Because absent that foundation, this all means very little. It's God had a plan from Eden. It's not like when Eve uh, listened to the serpent and grabbed the fruit and gave it to her husband and he ate some and then went and grabbed some fig leaves from Ross Dress for Less or wherever. I don't know where they got them from. I don't, I was trying to be funny and it didn't work. It's not like God went, oh man, what do I do now? God goes, you ready, Jesus? I'm gonna send you. When? "Eh, Another 4,000 years or so. That's a long time. I'm doing something. What are you doing? It's it's a cool thing. Not that Jesus didn't know what God was doing. I was just trying to create a f- fictional dialogue. Anyway.
0: You could write a book, like call it The Shed or something.
1: <laughs> I see what you did there. Okay. That's very good. I like it. <laughs> oh, we might lose control here. For they are loved on the account of the patriarchs. Verse 29. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. God called Israel to be his people from the beginning. But here's where it comes in, people, that I want you to see, is just because he called them from the beginning doesn't mean that they followed. It doesn't mean that they're following now. And just because God has chosen you, because John 3:16, whosoever will believe in him. If you are a whosoever, and you are, that means God chose you. God chose all of us. But the decision To follow God is ours. So God's calling and election, uh, God's gifts and call are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God, that's me, have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. So they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you for God has bound everyone over to disobedience that so that he may have mercy on them all. Man this gets really wordy but it's simply broken down like this. God came to the nation of Israel and said, I will be your God, and you will be my people. I'm going to lead you through a desert. I'm going to put you in a land I've set aside from you. It's flowing with milk and honey. Yeah, there's people there, and there's giants in the land, but I have you because I love you, and this is where I want to put you, and he does all of that, and they reject God, and God goes, nope, we're going to get this right, and they, oh, we're going to get it right. Nope, we're not going to get it right, and God pulls them away again and pulls them back in and pushes them away and pulls them back in. All as they respond to him. And finally God goes, see, this doesn't work. Here's how this is going to work. I'm going to come for you. Stop coming to me because you can't. I'm going to come for you in the form of Jesus. Die on a cross, buried. The wages of sin is death. And so by dying, Christ assumed our sin." But three days later, resurrected from the dead so that sin could no longer conquer or cause death for those who chose to follow Christ. All the way back to, I think, chapter 6. If we're crucified with Christ, we no longer live, but he lives with us. We participate with him in his crucifixion. Therefore, we get to participate with him in his resurrection, and we get to have eternal life. But it's for everybody because the Jews have rejected it. And so Paul goes, just because they rejected God, Christ came. And that Christ coming gave you participation in righteousness. In the same way, your participation in righteousness is going to want to draw them to come back to God. And so it comes full circle. God isn't leaving anybody behind. God has rejected no one but those who reject him and so he gets all to the end of this and then he hits verse 33 and I I wish I was there when Paul wrote this I wish I was there because remember uh, what we know historically about Paul's writings is Paul actually didn't physically write them he dictated everything and so he's been building chapter 1 2 3 all the way up to 10 and now into 11 and he goes he goes God came and chose his people and they rejected him so God came after the Gentiles in order to draw Israel back to him. And by doing that, it's going to be the fullness of his love for all people. And then he hits verse 33, and he goes, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom of the knowledge of God. Paul lays all this out for us, and my head is just bursting with how amazing this is. And you see Paul's head burst here too, because he goes, He goes, this is far beyond a plan I could have made up on my own. He goes, He goes, Oh the depths of the riches of the wisdom of the knowledge wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given God given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever, amen. It's just this cool moment, and that's why I say I wish I could have been there because Paul's painting this beautiful tapestry, and he just goes, oh, man, the mind of God. It's almost like what we've said in church for years about the Bible. If you are going to make all this stuff up, it wouldn't have been this good. No. Paul goes, who has, uh, or how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. He goes, had you started me, had you given me the push off of Genesis 1-1, I never would have come up with the rest of it, ever. Had you given me the first four chapters of Genesis, I never would have come up with it. This is so perfect. God's word is so perfect from beginning to end and ties in together so well. Oh, it's just so good. One of my favorite examples of this of the law being perfected in Christ. And maybe I've shared this in another episode. I'm not sure if I have. Forgive me for repeating. But there's this in the law. If you go back to the Levitical law, in Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, that kind of thing, the law. Someone who had leprosy, a leper, was unclean. If you were to touch them, you became unclean. And you had to wash and present yourself for the priests and all these other things. And When lepers actually came into town, they had to shout unclean repeatedly at the top of their lungs. So people knew to stay away. So enter Jesus. In the Gospels, there's this great account where he comes across this leper. And the guy goes, I want to be made clean. And so Jesus reaches out and touches him. According to the law, Jesus should have been made unclean. But Jesus is God and therefore perfect and cannot be unclean. So what's the only thing that could happen mathematically?
0: <laughs> I, I,
1: Dude made clean, yes. which is exactly what happened. Do you see that Christ is the fulfillment of all of it? It's not like he came and broke the law. It's just the law no longer played by its own rules. It had to play by the rules of the one who wrote it. I couldn't have written that. That's good. It's so perfect and so Paul's head just he just goes oh this is so amazing it's just absolutely amazing he's been painting this picture from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 11 and as we close today what's going to happen is we go into 12 13 14 15 16 it's going to shift a little bit Romans will you can almost separate Romans 1 through 11 into its own essay and then 12, 13, 14, and even a little bit of 15 kind of read almost more like Proverbs. He's got a lot of like, uh, we've got all this figured out, now this is how we've got to live. And he talks about being living sacrifices and how you're going to handle um, your submission to the authorities over you and all of that other stuff. In light of the truth of 1 through 11, how are we as Christians supposed to live? If you understand the magnitude of how lost we are, chapter 1 through 3, and you understand how amazing it is that we're saved by faith, the end of 3, chapter 4, and end of 5, and then you understand that when you accept that faith, you must be crucified with Christ, 5, 6. No longer live, but Christ who lives in you, the battle that's discussed in 7. You now have an obligation on how to live, chapter 8. And then chapter 9, 10, 11, Paul goes, and darn it, Israel, why can't you see this? How amazing is God? And so then when we get into the next episode in chapter 12, he's going to go, if you get this, you got to start living it.